I spent a majority of my day coloring. So. <laughs> and that's where we're going to start the show. <laughs> I did. Welcome. I spent a majority of my day watching teen dramas on Netflix. So, I mean, it's nice. not that much better. Nice. I mean, no, my mom sent me a coloring book for I Christmas. I still have a job. So. Yeah. No, my mom's like, look, I bought you a really cool coloring book for Christmas. Do what now? I said, I think Christ will have a job. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I said Christ isn't real. Oh, uh, he's he not. Is. Well, he was, but not that way. <laughs> no, he wasn't. Was he, was real. he was real. He was a real person. Yeah. He's just not the was son of God. Right, hair no. on just my dude. microphone He was a cult cover. leader. Absolutely. He was a cult leader. Not he was, a he's fan. He's an OG cult leader. Yeah, Christ is the first cult leader. Jesus was a fuckboy. For sure. I've said it a thousand times. We have, it's been said. <laughs> Trent Christ. Trent Christ. <laughs> Trent Christ! Trent Christ! <laughs> Welcome to Ghost and House! Ghost and House! Ghost and House, paranormal podcast where we talk about all things spooky. The fact that hauntings I murder. colored a lot today. The fact that she colors I a did. Lot. Uh, well, this one was actually not the coloring book my mom sent me. It was one I bought for myself because I am an adult and I can. Is it an adult coloring book? It I've is. seen those. Uh, maybe yes. I need one of those. They're great. And also, it is of, like, Art Nouveau-style cryptids. And I am a fan of it a lot. Did you show me that already? I think I showed you pictures from Amazon. Because I didn't get yes. it when no, I showed no, 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 you. But, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> and I can't... I think the girl's name is Katie. I'll have to look. But Super she made cool. it. And she's in one of the um, many... Facebook groups I'm in. I think it was one of the yes, Murderino, yes, like Murderino Paranormal Society, maybe. And cool. she's like, I made this thing. And I was like, well, shut up and it's, take my money right now because that's yeah. fucking cool. There's one in the back of like a pinup style Mothman. Oh, it is chef's kiss. So yeah. good. Yeah. It is glorious. It's glorious. So I'll have to find her name, and if you guys are interested, you can go buy one yourself, because they are hilarious. But, you know, I was coloring a picture of uh, Sasquatch carrying a lady through the forest. Nice. And listening to Down the Hill, which I finally started. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. That's a rough one. That case is... It's a rough one. More, more than anything, the point where I'm listening to it right now, I'm just kind of irritated. Yeah. Because I'm like, stop saying the words unusual and odd about the crime scene and case in general and give some kind of anything. They've, they've still, to this day, to the, four, almost nothing. four years later, nothing. There is not one word no. that has been leaked about what was no. found at that crime scene. Which other also. Than it's unusual, it's, it's odd, odd, and that the killer has a very specific MO. Yep, and at least three signatures. Yeah. And the fact that, number one, the first time I heard the recording of Bridge Guy mm-hmm. was I was grocery shopping and it like oh, all of my hairs I know. everywhere. And I'm like, okay, that is a fucking cop. If he's not now, he has been in the past because I've heard a cop say guys exactly like that. It's just that tone. Interesting. And that is another reason why I think they're keeping it so close to the chest. Could be. Could very well be. That's my theory. So, yeah. We haven't covered that case yet. No. I've talked about it, though. I've talked about it, about the podcast. Yeah, it's really good. Down the hill. I think I'm almost finished. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. 
lot of unanswered questions, but mm, many very good and informative. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just like there's nothing, which no. is weird. Yeah. Because no. some cases Not like that, at least something will get leaked, leaked, or somebody nope. they'll finally be like, okay, it's been long enough. We can say a little bit more about it, but to know that there's more to that video. Yep. Is infuriating. And there is nary a crime scene photo. Nope. There is nothing. There is no information about the crime scene whatsoever. Mm -mm, You don't know how they died. Nope. You don't know anything. You know nothing. Nope. Just wild speculation. Yep. Which never helps. Nope. Because, I mean. It just makes things worse. (laughs) Right? It's like, well, I have no idea what happened. So here is my guess. I heard this. I heard that. And then there's no... No way to confirm or deny. Or there is, but nobody's doing it. Which, speaking of confirming and denying things and wild speculation. Yes. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I know where this is going. Yeah. So, So for those of you who haven't figured out, co-producer Goose on the Loose. Yeah. Hey, guys. She's here. It's great. Um, Do go on. So, was was it yesterday that you sent me a text? No. Or was it the day before? It was a couple days ago. Time means nothing. One evening, again, (laughs) in one of those many groups I am part of, somebody from Portland posted a screenshot of some, they're like, be on the lookout in the- I'm really happy you're bringing this up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, It's like the Springwater Corridor. There's been 19 19 bodies found. 19 bodies, 10 in the Flavel area, 9 in the Selwood portion. I'm like, okay, well- Great, because that's literally right by my house. Right. Like, I, live... I would assume if 19 bodies had turned up in Portland, we'd have heard about it. You'd think, but that was somebody in, in the actual first initial screenshot that somebody posted. The um, They said something about the governor wanting to keep it quiet so it didn't freak out the citizens. I'm like, I have to come back to this when I'm not... On the like in the middle of an edible because this seems <laughs> important because it's right by my house if it's true, and then I went to sleep and I woke up and Goose had texted me about it, and I was like, "Hang on, now that I'm not stoned, this doesn't sound right." Right. And so I went onto the Googs and just typed in like Springwater Corridor murders, Springwater Corridor serial killer, who I decided if were real was going to be the Springwater slasher. Right. right. Which because, is perfect. Thank you. Right. It is. I tried, my brain perfect. My brain is like, you're a writer, make up something snappy, make it fast. I'm like, <laughs> on it, for no reason. But <laughs> there was literally nothing. I'm like, okay, well, that's red flag numero uno. Right. And I went back and I made a big post about it. I'm like, okay, red flag number one, that. Mm-hmm. Number two, um, I live right there and I've seen no mass police activity. There's no crime scene tape. No. So if 19 bodies are being pulled out of here, I would either have seen it with right. my eyes right. or heard about it from a neighbor. A neighbor. Or it would have been on Facebook. It would exactly. have been anywhere. And it would have been on our local also, news. the it would news. Have been so many uh, places. 2A. We live pretty close to one we another. We do. And neither myself nor my partner, who walks along the spring water yeah. corridor often, has said a fucking word. No. Yeah, so. Nary a thing. No signs. What, like, yeah. There's just, no. there was, and then I was like, okay, and also the governor's not going to keep something like that quiet. 
it's not how crimes work. Right. <laughs> like, it's, this isn't selectively, maybe right. But right. Like on. you, like the Delphi, you can keep details out, but you're going to be like, "Hey, careful, guys! There's a murderer, maybe." Right. right? Maybe but, you avoid the Springwater Corridor right? for a little bit. You know, we're so. we're investigating. No, that didn't happen. So today, Randall sent me a link to an article from Coin News that was like, "Hey, guess what?" That's not a fucking thing. It's not. Yeah. It's not real. I was like, "Hey, weird." Where did it start? Reddit? No idea. Is somebody an Instagram Probably. post? Instagram, TikTok. I feel sure. Oh, for but sure. But in the in the screenshot, it said that a friend's grandma had sure. seen the information in a sex trafficking aid group, which was like, okay, well, if it's on Facebook, there it is. Yeah, and it's. You, it's your friend's grandma. Number one, nobody's grandma's a reliable source of yeah, information. If we're talking about a grandma ever. looking at the on, sex ring on Facebook, isn't part of this. Then I'm, I'm sorry, no, because most of those groups, especially on Facebook, sadly, are heavily steeped in QAnon right. conspiracy theories, which always does more harm than good Way to the more. cause they say they're trying to help. Right. So I was like, okay, that's another red flag. Your grandma, again, is not a reliable source of information. Your friend's grandma, nobody's grandma, red flag. And also, were it even remotely true, had I heard about it anywhere, you know what would have been down there investigating. Right? (laughs) Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. And then... Then if I died, I told Goose, I was like, well, she's like, well, take me with you. I'm like, okay, if we die, then we'll just be on the news. And they'll be like, a local <laughs> true crime podcaster and friend were murdered doing what they loved, learning about serial killers. <laughs> Your daughter is the one who texted me about it. Oh. That, the morning that I texted her, she was like, oh my God, did you hear there's a serial killer? Oh. <laughs> Fuck yes, it's my time to shine. Like, right. I'm ready. I've been waiting on my it. whole life for this. <laughs> Today's the day. There's some excitement going on. I'm ready. Yeah. And then I texted her about it, and then I proceeded to start Googling myself, and then could find absolutely nothing. Nary. But I messaged Bella, and I was yeah. like, I think we're safe, girl. Like, there's literally, she was like, no, this is real. The she's governor like, yeah. She's like, but the keep governor is keeping it quiet. Like, I'm like, no, girl, that's. I'm like, girl, that's not how crimes work. And she's been hanging around her dad too, too often lately. Julian's the one who sent it to her. Okay. That's my thought also. <laughs> it's, I was like, girl, you got to get out of that house. I got so excited for a second. Right, and you but, guys, yeah. if you see some shit online that seems inflammatory. Right. Like 19 women being dragged out of a... A very small. It's out of, not... Out of a very, very small like area. the area where they're talking about. Yeah, it's not a big it's part. Not, that's and not... that part is also very exposed to the street. Yeah. It is against a major road and a neighborhood. Uh-huh. Like, People are, and that the Springwater Corridor is frequented by many runners and yeah. bicyclists. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a very populated area. So, yeah. if you see something that's inflammatory like that, do five minutes of research yeah. before sharing that yeah, shit. Google it first. Yeah. If also, you can find like two other is... places that say it, yeah. maybe then dig further and see where those if there, are. If there are links, yeah. maybe check those out first. This if was just, just a random a screenshot. Yeah. Also, it had the word females in giant red lettering, which also another red flag. Yeah. Because that's a weird thing to That is a weird out, thing. Right? They're like, Atten-, it was, I think it was just like, attention females or females. And I was like, that's... It's like an ad. I'm like, what? Right? No, don't. Trying don't say that. Uh, but one of my friends said that they 
every time they see the word females, they had seen a meme once and now they just automatically pronounce females like tamales. <laughs> and I'm like, that's fucking hilarious. Because, yes, I now can't unsee it myself. You guys will know this roughly off the top of your head. Yes. Based on your serial killer knowledge. Yes. What is the highest body count attained before they were discovered? Before anything was discovered? Mm. Just just ballpark. He just died. He just died. The Grim Sleeper. Yeah, he just died, and he's got to be up into the... Oh, God. He w- I believe he had 60 confirmed. Six, yeah. But I'm talking about before anybody was, like, on the scent of solving who yeah. it was. He had yeah. 60 before... 60. Okay. Um, yeah, he... I almost covered him this week because he just he died, just, yeah. which, good. Um, but there was a lot. So I'm but like, before- I need more time. But he... Well, he was, like, the uh, Golden State Killer. He had murdered... Right. Many people f- over decades, and nobody caught him until recently. Yeah, it was like two, la- three years ago. Yeah, I want to say like. I mean, it was uh, very with, shortly after with, Michelle McNamara died. With oh, oh not no, that's Golden State. Golden State. No, 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 no. But Samuel Little, the one we're talking about, different. He was in the same. I was going to say, didn't he get caught in the seventies, eighties? Uh, Samuel Little. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think so i don't know that much about him that's all uh, yeah i don't it. either but i do but know, I know that he was he, just... he went to prison recently i love i it. love that neither one of us really know that much about him other than he has the highest body he count. because right. the does. reason i ask is because you would think that like 19 bodies is a lot 19 bodies is a lot yeah before like to have yeah. like oh shit we should look at this right, right. That's a lot. to have 19 right. women go missing specifically women gone they're missing, they're gone, and then they're all found murdered. There would have been at least one report, right. you'd think. Right. Somewhere be like, hey, this woman's missing. Have you seen her? Right. But no. So yeah, no. that was like, hmm, there's too many red flags. Like, sure. this can't be. Because I would also think that a lot of the people who would be found there, provided they were killed there, would also probably be somewhere along that area. Mm-hmm. So you could theoretically see a rash of missing women cases just along the Springwater Corridor. You would think. You know? Yeah. yeah it, the first, the initial group that I saw it in, they had to shut off the comments because so many people were like, it, it was about 50-50 of people being like, this is bullshit. And then other people being like, oh my God, this mm-hmm. is, there's a serial, I'm like, this is horrible, there's a serial killer in Portland. Oh. And I'm like, <sighs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Okay. We the should old... be so lucky. <laughs> I was we I... should be so lucky to start 2021 with a fucking serial killer in Portland. We didn't start with a perfect. serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> we started with Bean Dad, though. Have you bean heard dad? the fuck's uh, a Bean Dad? Who's bean Dad. Uh, Twitter. So the guy was trying to make himself sound like a real great dad and like he's like oh my daughter nine she was hungry and so i told her to go open a can of beans which number one no nine-year-old wants to eat a can of beans what's wrong with you um and then he proceeded just to have this tweet thread about how he made his daughter figure out how to use a can opener on her own for six hours without helping her so she what a shitty father Thank you. I think he eventually deleted his Twitter because, but he was also in the touring band of Harvey Danger. 
So oh, and so he li- he lives in Seattle, and I can't remember his name right now. Weird. But he's a complete turd. And trying to a lot of teach people, our child critical thinking skills. For yeah, six it's hours? like it's like why can't you just number one get up? Because he said he was doing a puzzle, and then his daughter came and was like, "Dad, I'm hungry," and he's like, "Open beans," and she brought him the can and was like, "I don't know how to do that." And so he's like, here's a can opener, figure it out. And then just let her struggle Listen, for six hours. If you're going to be a dick, do it the Ray Charles' mom method. Show you once, guide you twice, third time you're on your own. Fair. Okay, see, I would do that, though. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, because if, if you don't, you're going to have a 12-year-old who doesn't know how to use a fucking can opener. Right, right. And I'm pretty sure there's some out there that don't. And again, like. Most cans have the, the first time, top tubs. The yeah. first time showing them, the second time guiding them should be enough for yeah. a fucking can opener. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, guys. I can tell you right now that many of these youngins have no critical thinking skills anymore. It's 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 becoming a lost thing. There is a great book out there called The Coddling of the American Mind that talks about why that is. And I recommend it to everybybody. Good to know. Uh Yeah. Well, he eventually doubled down on the fact that he was like, it was fine. She had just eaten and six hours is what normally goes between breakfast and lunch and lunch and dinner. I'm like, okay, well, first of all, she said she was hungry. So maybe stop doing a puzzle and show her how to use a can opener, which beans again i just can't again, stop thinking right? about it a can of beans that is like, the not weirdest. only are you not going to give your daughter anything she fucking wants but you're not even going to open the goddamn can <laughs> right. for her fuck you uh but then a bunch of people started retweeting very uh awful old tweets of his oh where he was like hey i'm a terrible father also racist mm. it was it was all bad it was all bad so bean dad is the worst yeah. Wow. I was like, thanks, 2021. That was a weird thing that I didn't need to have in my life, but I did because mm-hmm. I kept seeing people talk about it. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I and had, oh, yikes. oh, no, that was it. It was just. I had, uh, I was on Instagram and uh, Jamie Kennedy, the comedian. Yeah. He's, you know, pretty center libertarian kind, yeah. of a, kind of a dude. Yeah. And he was making a point about how a movie got shut down because Scarlett Johansson got a bunch of shit for possibly portraying a trans character. And he's like, shouldn't actors be able to act and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, there's some interesting points to be made here on both sides. Like I can see arguments that could be well-constructed. Mm-hmm. And then I went into the comments. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. no. Is that when you just kind of like... It's like, fuck. <laughs> just put your phone down and walk into the sea. Well, it was one of the first times where I like replied to everyone <clears throat> just as not picking one person. Yeah. But I just wrote like, you know, it's really fun to come into a place to see a, a genuine conversation that yeah. could be had. Uh and then see people talking about, you know, people that disagree with being dragged off to the gulag uh and how Hollywood is run by a cabal. Yeah. Uh you know, um... if if conservatives and liberals weren't so fucking crazy, we might be able to have some real conversations. And you're just but, like, you know I gotta but I gotta can't. I gotta buy. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, just set your phone down and walk straight into the sea. I just I just finished it off with you fucking clowns. There you and go. No one has liked or commented on it. I think it may have been deleted. I don't give a shit. Those people suck. You got it out though, Tish. and it made you feel better. Yeah. So that's all that matters. Uh, what else? Oh, we got presents. We got presents. presents. I have to find them. I and then know. I've got uh, a message that I got from a listener Woo! about your John Bonet story. Oh. So. So this. We got presents. We got presents. Oh, my face itches. Hang on. Um, these are from 
uh, Stephanie, a.k.a. Dr. Mrs. Vendo. <gasps> Dr. <gasps> Mrs. Vendo! Yeah, I know Dr. Vendo's a lady? No, no Dr. No. Mrs. Vendo. Oh, okay. Dr. Vendo's wife. Okay. Yes. Mrs. Dr. Vendo. Ah, <laughs> oh, nice! Right? That's awesome! Thank it's you! It's an Unsolved Mysteries sticker, and Which I love it. She, nobody knows, but you will all know now, is my little, I've got a little folder, hot pink folder that I always put my stories in, and it is literally covered with stickers. Yeah. So this Unsolved mystery sticker is going to go on my folder, and I'll Yay. take a picture of it, and I'll post it. Thank I, you! They such as also sorry for unwrapping that next to my microphone. That's probably real loud. I didn't even think about it for a second. We don't have headphones this time, so I can't hear these really annoying sounds that I make. It's fine. I feel double naked. I don't have anything in front of me, and I don't have headphones on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird, huh? really weird. Randall built... Very uncomfortable. Randall, Randall built doesn't know what to do his with his own, <laughs> His own desk, a new desk for the studio, and it's facing the opposite direction, so he doesn't have anything it's turned 90 degrees. in he's front of him He's not behind the desk. He's in front of it currently, right. yeah. and he's feeling really weird about it's, it. Yeah. My recorder and computer are behind me. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. Right? But I'm I committed. mean, like I said, I could just turn the desk. You could. If I to. But also, <laughs> I still like the idea of building another whole one and just having the bar door. in front of me. Yeah. yeah. I realized like as soon Swanson. as we were talking about it, I was like, oh, I wouldn't be able to turn at all. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, that's garbage. Yeah. So, so this is it. This is what we got. <laughs> um, I like it, though. Our listener, Tara who we have discussed before, yeah. sent a message about your John Bonet. She really enjoyed it. Okay. Now, so Tara is a therapist, mm. and she has a theory. I love theories. So my theory is that both kids were sexually abused by mom, but neither knew about what was going on with the other sibling. Oh. Both kids exhibited behavior consistent with trauma, mm-hmm. specifically sexual abuse victims. Yes. I think mom tried to control brother's ADHD via masturbation. Sadly, this is a thing and would explain semen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Burke blew the first blow. He saw mom and sis enjoying a happy bowl of pineapple, likely after mom molested her. Her way of making it all better for John Bonet was angry his mom was doing this to him and resented it not being his sister. Yeah. So he hit her, maybe with a flashlight, while she was in the kitchen. Mom, afraid the secret would be exposed, female sex abusers are rare, covered up Burke's crime. She knew that if she was honest about what happened, Burke would expose her. And given that they were wealthy, white people, they needed to save face. She said this may not be 100% to be what happened, but Mm -hmm. I do believe the parents were either sexually abusing their kids or pimping them out to their nasty friends. Very interesting. So, yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Interesting theory. And mm-hmm. that's what I said. I, I It's interesting and plausible. Very. Totally plausible. For sure. Um, speaking of John Bonet Ramsey, the documentary I couldn't remember was oh, yeah. called um, Hunting John Bonet Ramsey's Killer, The Untold Story. Look it up. It's real fucking weird. Um, also... Patsy Ramsey won Miss West Virginia in 1977, not 1997. I misspoke. All good. Yeah. How dare you? I'm sorry, um, but not really. Uh, also, a shout out to our new Patreon, Lauren. I love oh, you. Lauren? Patron on Patreon. Lauren. You, you know her. Oh, Lauren. Lauren. That Lauren. Oh, thanks, uh, girl. Yeah. And also, 
thank you for letting us know that some orchids do have fragrance, but only at night to attract nocturnal pollinators. Ooh. Oh, so interesting. That a, a throwback, throwback. Nocturnal she, pollinators. She said she was catching up on older episodes, and yeah. she's like, yeah, I just got to that. And I'm like, good to know. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, and also speaking of Samuel Little, a.k.a. the Grim Sleeper, who just died yep. uh, on December 30th. Uh, Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper, also died in November, and he died from complications of COVID-19, Corona. to you, which I say good. You know what's funny? Uh, the week, it was right before he died, because mm-hmm. he's on my list. Oh, of course. And then I'm like, oh, he, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And then he died. I was literally going to do him mm-hmm. right before, the week before he died. That sounded weird. I knew what but you, you know meant. what I meant. I was just gonna let you keep going. But, but I was, yeah. I was so fucking pissed. I was like, God damn it! I should have done it. But yeah, he died of the Ronis. He did, and they have not released a cause of death for Samuel Little yet. Um, He's really fucking he old. He was eighty, <laughs> and obviously not in the greatest of health because a lot of eighty-year-olds aren't. It just happens. But there is speculation that he also died from Good complications well of. Ms. Rona. Could very To which well I be. say, okay. Sure. You were both fucking awful. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I hope it sucked. Uh, we've gotten a lot of uh, good reviews on our Black Dahlia episode. People seem to yeah. like it. Good. I'm glad That's you good. liked it. Yeah. Uh, Who yeah. goes first today? <clears throat> you do, because I looked to make sure, and you go first tw- doubly, because I went first both... The last episode we recorded and on the Patreon. On the Patreon you went first. <laughs> yeah. But I figured we'd just go to the last actual well, yeah, that's, recording. That's what I was gonna okay, that's what I was so thinking. But it was both. Like I went first in both of the last two, so it didn't matter. You would have been first. Bitchin. Either way. Well, today I have an interesting piece. Hmm. I don't know if I like the way you made your it's face. It's not that kind of. It's not that. It, it's not weird or anything. I know it's, it was just a face that I haven't seen. So before. you know, we've talked about my time travel vacation plans. Yeah. This place today, I have a haunted location, but it's more than that. Hmm. This place is definitely somewhere I'd go during my time travel vacation. Oh. Okay. So it would be during my my 1969 vacation. Nice. Yeah. So today, I am going to be talking to you all about the Chelsea Hotel. Oh. Are you familiar with? Yes. Randall, are you familiar with the Chelsea? It sounds familiar, but I can't place anything specific to it. Okay. You familiar with the Chelsea? Uh, That's the... One that um, Hotel American Horror Story is based off of, right? No. Am I thinking of a different hotel? Then? Yes. yes. The, yeah, that's, kidding, I'm lying. that's I don't the know Cecil, what I'm isn't it? About yes. yes. Okay, so if walls could talk, <laughs> and oh, how I wish they could, the Chelsea Hotel would have so much to say. I would imagine she holds a novel's worth of secrets, not to mention suicides, murder, and hauntings, of which there are many. She's a beautiful brick 12-story building on West 23rd Street in Manhattan in New York City. She's built in the Queen Anne and Victorian Gothic styles. 
She's on the national and state registers of historic places and is known as the second most haunted place in all of New York City. Ooh. The first being the New York Public Library on 42nd Street. That just makes me think of Ghostbusters. Think of Ghostbusters, right? (laughs) So over the years, she's been home to artists, rock stars, composers, poets, playwrights, dancers, writers, filmmakers, and beatniks. Some of the most notable being Mark Twain, Jackson Pollock, Arthur Miller, after he separated from Marilyn Monroe, Betsy Johnson, Patti Smith, Andy Warhol, Janis Joplin, Bette Midler, Pink Floyd, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, The Grateful Dead, Stanley Kubrick, Ethan Hawke, Edie Sedgwick, Patti Smith, Madonna, Jack Kerouac, The Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, and I could go on (laughs) and on and on. In fact, the list of well-known 20th century artists that didn't live or stay at the Chelsea Hotel is probably shorter than the list that did. That makes sense. And if you're an old 80s punk rock kid like me, well, then you already know that the Chelsea is where Sid Vicious killed his girlfriend, Nancy Spungen. We will get to that, but first, we need to go to the beginning. Built between 1884 and 1885 by architect Philip Hubert, uh, at the time of her construction, she had 400 rooms and was the tallest building in New York City. The Chelsea was originally conceived as a socialist utopian commune. Yeah! Philip Hubert was raised in a family devoted to the theories of French philosopher Charles Fourier, who proposed the construction of self-contained settlements that would meet every possible professional and personal need of its inhabitants. After the stock market crash of 1873, Hubert decided New York was ready for its own Fourierian experiment and devised a plan to build cooperative apartment houses in New York City. Tenants would save money by sharing fuel and services, and the co-op was born. Hubert built several, and they were all very successful, especially the Chelsea. Keeping with Fourier's philosophy, Hubert reserved apartments for the people who built the building, the electricians, construction workers, interior designers, and plumbers. And the top floor was given to over 15 artist studios, housing writers, artists, and actors. Unfortunately, the concept couldn't be sustained financially, Mm -hmm. and Hubert's co-op went bankrupt in 1905. The building was bought and turned into a luxury hotel, and the original two- and four-bedroom units were split up, with 100 of the rooms becoming hotel rooms, while the other 300 remained apartments for long-term residents. So it basically became the complete opposite of its intended use. Yes, but it never stopped being that. Yes, well, I meant in the fact that it was originally a commune and then it became a luxury hotel, mostly. Mostly, but we'll get to that. It never stops being what it was actually intended to be. Touche. On some level. So, um, when the Titanic sank in April of 1912, many of the survivors were taken to the Chelsea Hotel to stay until they could all get back to their homes, if they had homes to go back to. Otherwise, they would just stay at the hotel because the dock where the Titanic was supposed to come into Mm -hmm. was there in New York, and it wasn't far from the Chelsea. 
Many women were left widows. And this brings us to our first haunting. Her name is Mary. Mary and her husband had been passengers on the Titanic. And when the ship went down, Mary's husband went down with her. During her brief, 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 during her brief, 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 (laughs) yep. Killing it. Yep. During her brief time at the Chelsea, Mary was understandably Wow. Words are hard. (laughs) Oh, boy. She was understandably depressed and distraught at the loss of her husband, and she was unable to adjust to life without him. So one evening, she hung herself in her room on the fifth floor. And Mary is most often found at the west end of the building looking at herself in the mirror. And Mary perceives the living as an annoyance. She's also been seen crying in the hallways asking to see her husband. The next ghost is Nadia, who died at the Chelsea in 1922. She had grown up in the hotel and was the daughter of a wealthy silk merchant whose family lived there in a suite of rooms. Nadia was an artist, but her plans to pursue her artistic dream... Um, were cut short when she met a handsome songwriter and they ran away to get married when they were both just teenagers. Within a few years, Nadia's husband had, like many tortured artists, become an alcoholic and wasn't working. Mm. They had two young children and no money, so Nadia went to her father and asked if she and her family could move back home. Her father, still being pissed at her for running away, wanted to say no, but because of the children, he agreed, but under one condition. Nadia had to do all the housework and the cleaning, as well as bringing in sewing jobs to add to the household income. With no time for her art and her failed marriage, Nadia snapped. She'd had enough. And in a just slightly overdramatic move, Uh Nadia put her right hand into the giant industrial scissors used to cut entire bolts of cloth. Oh, girl. And then cut her hand the fuck off. Girl, no. Wow. She then jumped out of the window facing 23rd Street and died. Oh, honey, Her ghost is often seen actually falling past windows, but oddly enough, her ghost is never seen inside the building, only outside falling past windows. That's not... like a loop. That's not a loop I'd want right. to be part of. In room 124, multiple visitors have reported that they hear a female voice screaming. They see a ghostly presence in the bathroom and the blurry ghost of an old man. Ugh. Room 205, writer-poet Dylan Thomas moved into the Chelsea on October 20th, 1953, Thomas was in poor health and spent his last lucid days at the hotel. On November 5th, he was taken to the emergency at St. Vincent's, where he went into a coma, and he died on November 9th. Over the years, many guests at the hotel have claimed to have encountered his ghost, as well as hearing aggressive footsteps in room 205. That's never fun. In room 323... A famous club kid, and if you're not familiar with club kids, Google it. I'm not going to get into it with you. Also just died. Uh, Christina lived at the hotel in the 80s. She died in her room in June of 89 and was dead for five days before her body was discovered. But the most interesting ghost, known ghost, whom many have seen, is the one they call Larry the Hipster Ghost. I don't know why they call him that, uh, because no one knows who he was or actually what time era he's from. Yeah, it's because he's a ghost before the other ghosts were ghosts. Clearly. He's Larry the Hipster Ghost. But you'll know it's him because he apparently never fucking stops talking. 
That could be literally anyone in Portland. Right? Larry has spoken to many, many people. And then they talk about the real talkative guy they met. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, he's not. He's dead. He's dead. Um, And here's what he tells everyone. Oh, boy. He meets. He says, everything inside the Chelsea Hotel is real. Walk outside the hotel's doors and you enter into an illusion. Yeah, it sounds like something a hipster would say. Right? I th- I feel like I've had that com- that exact conversation on a date with a hipster. He's also been known to tell people that there's something underground at the hotel long, long before the Chelsea was built. Ooh. There is some power that is the genesis of the Chelsea Hotel's creative power. And lastly, another important message. He says, how one conducts themselves at the Chelsea Hotel is what is important. Not just the art, but how one lives their life at the Chelsea Hotel. It's a lot to say from a ghost, and I'm taking this one with a grain of salt. Yeah, it feels However, like feels like a lot of words. A lot of words. However, but Larry's apparently wordy and verbose, and also a hipster asshole. Yeah. So uh, there are residents that do agree that the hotel is indeed built on a vortex, which mm. would explain a lot, mm. actually, about the hotel itself. So, over the many years, there have been many deaths from many causes. Alcoholism, suicide, overdose, and murder. The most famous of the deaths at the Chelsea was that of Nancy Spungen. And, uh, yeah, I'm talking about the Sid and Nancy. And if you don't know the story, don't worry, because I'm about to tell you. Hey. So, the Sex Pistols were a punk band out of England. They formed in 1975, and their only album, only album, never mind the bollocks, here's the Sex Pistols, came out in 1977, which is amazing to me. Have you guys all heard of the Sex Pistols? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. They had one fucking album, and they were together for, I think, three years, maybe, total? Oh. Maximum, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. they were with... Period. Period. That's it. It was a real, real flash in the pan. Yeah, but we all know them. Yeah. Right? They were lewd, crude, loud, and violent. The lead singer, John Lydon, a.k.a. Johnny Rotten, was and is, because he's still alive, clinically tone deaf. Clinically tone deaf. Mm. He can't sing. No. It just works. Sid, who was the bass player in the band, couldn't actually play the bass. No, he could not. He couldn't play it. Um, But that's beside the point. (laughs) <laughs> Nancy Spungen was an American groupie in London. She was from the New York punk scene, and when she met Sid, it was love at first sight. And to say that Nancy was unstable would be a gross understatement. Oh, boy. Nancy was diagnosed schizophrenic at age 15, and, well, the drugs weren't helping. Sid and Nancy were the punk rock heroin shooting Bonnie and Clyde. There was constant and violent physical fights and a lot of drugs and many near-fatal overdoses. Nancy was becoming a problem for the band, like Yoko on fucking steroids. Or Yoko on heroin. Yes. A crazier, insane Yoko Ono on heroin and steroids and crack was Nancy Spungen. Too many many drugs, guys. Right, so... PCP, maybe. Too many of them if she did. Uh, right, too many PCPs. So Malcolm McLaren, the band's manager, actually had a plan 
and tried to have Nancy kidnapped and put back on a plane to New York. <laughs> but that never actually happened because oh. Sid and Nancy were never apart. They were literally inseparable. In 1978, the Sex Pistols had a U.S. tour booked and Nancy was banned. She was banned from the entire tour. But the band itself wouldn't survive the tour and their last show would be in San Francisco on January 14th. The band broke up that night and Sid headed to New York overdosing on the way, and ended up being hospitalized in Queens, New York. After his discharge, he reunited with his Nancy, and they took off to Paris to film a Sex Pistol mockumentary called The Great Rock and Roll Swindle. And this, like everything else regarding Sid and Nancy, did not end well. Sid preferred shooting up in the hotel room with Nancy. Well, when you're doing a job, that doesn't go over well. But yeah. when he did leave the room to film, she would do literally anything she could for attention, like slitting her wrists and making a bloody mess of the hotel room so he wouldn't leave her. Um, the toxic dysfunction knew no bounds with these two. And in August of 1978, they moved back to New York and took up residence in room 100 at the Chelsea Hotel. By this time, Nancy was Sid's manager and spokesperson. He would play small gigs in Lower East Side bars. And on October 11th, the couple had a small party in their room, basically people coming and going, getting high. And hmm. what actually happened that evening isn't necessarily clear. Too many PCPs. Yep. According to statements from people that had been there, Sid had taken about 30 tablets of Tuinol, Twinol, Tuinol, T-U-I-N-A-L, which was a drug made up of two barbiturates. Ooh. Oh, no. Took 30 of them. 30. Oh. And was comatose f for most of the night. That is... No one... It. But that's the thing. No one reported going into that room seeing Sid awake at any point. It's so we're going to come back to that. As too many barbiturates. Right. As someone who's taken them. Well, not... Right. Well, and not to mention the heroin. Uh-huh. Okay. So, now there are a Too few many. theories about what actually happened to Nancy, and I will get there. But what is fact is that around at around 11 a.m. on the morning of October 12th, the front desk started to receive calls about a situation in room 100. Sid was wandering around the hallway in a drug haze crying that he'd killed Nancy. And a bellman went up, and when he went into the room, he found Nancy wearing only a bra and panties, dead on the floor between the sink and the toilet. She had a single stab wound to her abdomen. She was dead, and she was only 20 years old. The authorities were called, and Vicious told NYPD that he had killed Nancy, saying, I stabbed her, but I never meant to kill her. But then he recanted, saying that he actually had zero recollection of doing it, and he had no idea what had actually happened that night. According to witnesses that had been in the room, Sid had been totally out the last they had seen him. So what the fuck happened? Now, the domestic abuse between Sid and Nancy was well known. They were famous for it. Sid was arrested and charged with second degree murder. He pled not guilty and was released on bail 10 days later. And on October 22nd, a devastated Sid slit his wrists, but was found and admitted to Bellevue Hospital, where he tried to commit suicide again by jumping out of a window while screaming, I want to be with my Nancy. Uh, he was obviously stopped and released later. In an interview that November, he said that Nancy's death was meant to happen and that she'd always said she would die before she was 21. He added that he would like to be with her under the ground. Oh. 
Bless it. Now, Sid was arrested on December 9th on an assault charge and was sent to Rikers for 55 days of detox. Oh. Not a nice, comfortable medical-assisted rehab detox, but a court-ordered prison detox. Ooh. They are very different. And yeah. I'll assume it sucked real, real bad. Yeah, detoxing from the heroin anytime, anywhere, yep. can't be the most pleasant nope. of experiences. Was... But having to do it in a prison. Court-ordered oh, Rikers Island prison detox. In my head... It's a little different. My head... They essentially just put him in like a solitary confinement situation. That's They're like, like, see you later. That's what I'm picturing in my yeah. head, too. That's what I got going on over here. Yeah. <laughs> no, and that's pretty much what it's like. And they check on you a bit, but it's not mm-hmm. the nice, we're going to hook you up to this IV. We're going to keep you sedated and comfortable. That's not what this was. Nope. So on February 1st, 1979, the Sex Pistols manager, Malcolm McLaren, bailed Sid out with the funds being covered by Virgin Records. His bail was set at 50000 which would be around 176000 today, and Mick Jagger paid for Sid's lawyer. Oh. But Sid Vicious would be dead from a heroin overdose by morning. He was 21 years old, and he got his wish to be with his Nancy. God, he was only 21. Yeah. Yep. Wow. He was only 21. She was only 20. Jesus. Yep. So now to the theories of what really happened that night in room 100 at the Chelsea Hotel. The first, and what went on paper, was that in one of their usual violent fights, Sid stabbed her. Cut and dry. Right, cut and dry, right? But, according to some that were there that night, they don't think it happened that way. According to Michael Mora, who went by the name Rocket's Red Glare... Nancy was killed by a drug dealer after the deal went bad, all while Sid was passed the fuck out. Money was actually reported missing from the room. So over the years, Rockets, who was also an addict, had admitted a few times that it was actually him that killed Nancy. Some believed him, most didn't. And he died in 2001, so we will never know the truth there. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was him, but the drug dealer theory is plausible. Very. There is another theory. When Sid overdosed, his body was found on the morning of February 2nd, 1979, by his mother and Beverly. They had been shooting up together the night before, after his prison release. And some say that it was actually Anne that had given Sid the hot shot that killed him. Because he didn't want to go back to prison. Mm-hmm. But... Shortly after his death, Anne claimed that she had found a handwritten note in the pocket of Sid's leather jacket, and it had said, We had a death pact, and I have to keep my half of the bargain. Please bury me next to my baby. Bury me in my leather jacket, jeans, and motorcycle boots. Goodbye. So, some say suicide, and some say that his mother assisted him by giving him Mm -hmm. a fatal overdose. We'll never know. Yeah. Sid, however, could not be buried next to Nancy because she was Jewish and was buried in a Jewish cemetery. Yeah. Anne went and met with Nancy's mother to see if Sid's ashes could at least be spread over her grave, to which Deborah Spungen quickly denied. However, Anne was not going to deny her son his dying wish. So with her sister and a few of Sid's friends, including Jerry Only from the Misfits went to the cemetery and spread Sid's ashes over Nancy's grave. Yeah. And that's where he was left. Yikes. Mm-hmm. 
The Chelsea, through the last few decades, was known to be the last of the Bohemian outposts. Think of rent, but in real life. Yeah. that That's the Chelsea. It was a true artist's colony. Artists traded paintings for rent or lived for free, subsidized by the exorbitant rates paid by the troubled children of the ultra-wealthy, which were another demographic that had been historically drawn to the Chelsea. And the man in charge of all that was Stanley Bard, who managed the Chelsea for 30 years. His father was one of three investors that bought the hotel in 1943, and Stanley took over in the early 70s. He was known as the best landlord and the biggest star fucker of all time. (laughs) But in 2007, everything changed. Stanley was forced out by the heirs of the other two ownership families who wanted to sell the hotel against his wishes. And in 2011, the Chelsea sold to the real estate magnate Joseph Chetrit for $80 million. And for the first time in 106 years, the Chelsea ceased operation, aside from a few lingering residents. The Chelsea isn't booking rooms anymore. Chetrit sold the property in 2013 to King & Grove, a boutique hotel chain, which is currently overseeing a $40 million renovation. However, some of the residents have fought back. Good. Seven of the 50 permanent residents have filed lawsuits and made numerous complaints to the City Department of Housing Preservation and Development about leaks, flooding, the lack of hot water, unsafe conditions, and renovations their lawyer have called illegal. To this day, the Chelsea Hotel is still a construction site. (laughs) And not much has been done, and the scaffolding is all still standing. Oh, boy. It's just been a fucking quagmire of a clusterfuck. And to this day, the fate of the Chelsea is unclear. The tenacious few are holding on with a death grip to their way of life, the art and the eccentric bohemian lifestyle. There are people who have lived their entire lives in that building. No matter what happens to the hotel, the spirits not only of the dead, but of more beautiful times will always remain, and those memories can't be taken away, and some have been immortalized in art. Andy Warhol filmed there. Arthur C. Clarke wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey there. Madonna photographed her 1992 book Sex in room 822. Leonard Cohen wrote Chelsea Hotel Number 2 about the affair he had with Janis Joplin in room 424. John Bon Jovi wrote the song and filmed the video for Midnight at the Chelsea in room 515. Joni Mitchell wrote a song called Chelsea Morning about the hotel. There have been many books and poems written about and inspired by the Chelsea. And I'm going to wrap this up with a well-fitting excerpt from Edgar Lee Masters' 1936 writing about the hotel. Soon this Chelsea hotel will vanish before the city's merchant greed. Wreckers will wreck it, and its stead more lofty walls will swell. This old street's populace, then who will know about its ancient grandeur, marble stairs, its paintings, onyx mantles, courts, the heirs of a long time, no, <laughs> the heirs of a time now long ago. Who will know then that Mark Twain used to stroll in the gorgeous dining room, that princesses, poets, and celebrated actresses lived here and made its soul. In after years, so often made up, and unmade by the changing generations, until today it stands a tomb of happiness passed away, of an era long overlaid. What loves were lived here, what despairs endured, what children born here, 
and what mourners went out of its doors, what peace and what lament these rooms knew. That is the story of the motherfucking Chelsea Hotel. Very nice. Yes, and my sources are rollingstone.com, Jordan Runta, bookriot.com, Nancy Snyder, seeksghostsblogspot.com, biography.com, many a wiki, all the wikis. All of them. Vanityfair.com, Nathaniel Rich, hauntedtravelsusa.com, theguardian.com, forever80sblogspot.com. Oh, Britannica.com, Jeff Wallenfelt, and Chelsea Hotel Blog. Motherfucking.com. Yeah. Yeah. You did it. I Good did job. Do it. I That's did nice. do it. Uh, so, fun fact I almost did uh, the murder of John Lennon, Ooh. which took place at the Dakota. Uh huh. Which initially, my brain, when you said Chelsea Hotel, I'm like, oh yeah, I almost did that. And I'm like, no. Two different places. Like, no, but haunted New York hotels where murders happened. Yes. Almost happened today. Yes. Um, and then I almost did Michael Eilig. Oh, From did Party. he just die? He just died. Oh, no. I didn't know that. When? Yep. Uh, recently. Before New Year's, but I can't remember exactly when. Oh, no. Pretty From sure what? it was an overdose. Ah, which... fuck. Shocking, but... It's actually shocking that he made it this long, to be honest. That is fair. But I didn't do either of those. Uh, I wanted to do this story for a while, um, but it was covered on a really popular podcast, and I didn't think I could do it as well as that host. We're a really popular podcast. Well, Lana, Randall's dog is yelling at somebody outside. We're clearly not as popular as that popular podcast, though. No. Um... It also never felt like the right time to do it. Okay. So, and after the dumpster fire shit show demon of a year that was 2020, I couldn't think of a better way to kick off this year because we needed a little inspiration. Uh, a reminder that we can do anything, even when giving up would be easiest. So this is a survival story of Mary fucking Vincent. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard this one. Do you go on. It's Gonna be rough, but we know she lives. So just remember that. I think I know this one. Yeah, you probably do. Like I said, it's gonna get rough, but just remember, she lives. And if so. she ended up crawling up out of a ditch, I know this one. Yeah. Who we, so, what are we doing? Uh, Mary Vincent. So sur- survival I survived, story. which, by the way, I watched, I think, twice the episode that she did. So on September 29th, 1978, 15-year-old Mary Vincent wanted nothing more than to go home. Uh, She'd recently run away uh, as her parents were in the middle of a divorce and things at home were a little rough. Um, She was also the middle of seven children. Yeah. Um, So after spending time in the Bay Area with some friends and some family members, she just wanted to leave Berkeley and get back to Vegas. Uh, Because it was 1978, hitchhiking was a super common way of getting around. So on that Thursday afternoon... Mary made a sign indicating that she was heading south and waited on the side of the road with a couple of other people looking for a ride. Soon enough, a grandfatherly looking man in a blue van pulls over and offers Mary a ride. Oh, God, I know. Mm-hmm. The other hitchhikers noticed that there's more than enough room in the van to take all three of them, but he insisted there was only room for one 
um, only room for him to take one person, and that was Mary. Uh, they mentioned to her that it's weird he's only willing to take this single young woman uh, and caution her against accepting a ride with him. Uh, in Mary's own words, she was exhausted and just wanted to get home. Um, she told him that she was going to Vegas, and even though he claimed his destination was Reno, he said he would take her as far as L.A., which makes no earthly sense. Uh, but again, the teen was exhausted and wanted to get home as soon as possible, so she got into the van. Uh, she would say on I Survived that I wasn't a daredevil or anything. I was just desperate to get home. I could not live out another day alone. I didn't think about what type of person he was or the situation. I just, uh, I was tired and he seemed like a grandfather type figure. <sighs> Bless it. Uh, the man, 51-year-old former merchant seaman Lawrence Larry Singleton, made the offhand comment that he had a daughter about Mary's age as she got into his car, which isn't really anything important. I just thought it was a super creepy thing for someone to say. Uh, I feel like he just kind of said it to lull Mary into a false sense of security, like, oh, you'll be fine. I'm a stranger. That looks like the bastard offspring of Santa and the Gorton's fishermen, but I'm a dad. You'll be fine. Yep. Um... He actually does look kind of like Carl Malden and John C. Riley, who could definitely play this guy in a movie. Like, if you look him up, you're like, oh. John C. Riley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, John C. Riley, but with Carl Malden's nose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, his teenage daughter, Deborah, by the way, was not speaking to him at the time, and she would eventually move multiple times when she found out he was being released from prison. Uh, she'd go on to say in an interview that I asked California prison personnel what could be done to keep him in longer, and I was told there was nothing. They suggested I obtain a restraining order at the time of his release. Sorry, but I mean this quite sarcastically. I tell you he is a danger. I said that before the first crime. I've changed my name multiple times and am moving across state lines, and all you suggest, a piece of paper that will tell him exactly where I am, what my name is, and not to come within, say, 300 feet of me. Which, fuck yes, Deborah. You tell him. Right? That's the stupidest fucking thing. Right? She's like, hi, I'm terrified of my father. Please keep him in prison. They're like, no, but if you give us your name and address, we'll give it to him and tell him he can't go there. No, thanks. <laughs> Here's the address. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway. Once they got on the road, Mary fell asleep for a little while. When she woke up, she realized they were going in the wrong direction and said, hey, you're going the wrong way and you know you're going the wrong way. He apologized to her, saying that he'd made an honest mistake and that he was turning around. He did, but pulled off to the side of the road and said he needed to relieve himself before they continued the drive. At this point, it's dark out and they're in the middle of nowhere. Mary starts getting a little nervous and said that she thought to herself, I'm in trouble. Oh, bless her heart. So she is. <laughs> she goes on to say that she looked down at her feet and noticed that one of her sneakers was untied and thought, now if I'm going to be able to outrun this person because I'm young, he's old, I'm healthy, he's not, I'd better tie my shoe. She gets out of the van to tie her shoe, and when she's bent down, Larry Singleton hits her in the back of the head with a sledgehammer, knocking her out. Yeah. Yeah, she's like she's alive. Oh, it gets much worse. Oh, I know, but like, goddamn. Right? Oh, <laughs> this gets... It gets so much really, worse. Really, really fucking bad. So when she came to, she was naked and tied up in the back of the van. Uh, Singleton then proceeded to rape her multiple times all night while she cried and begged for him to set her free and promising that she wouldn't tell anyone what had happened. The next morning, Singleton pulled Mary out of the van naked and bleeding 
unties her hands, and said to her, You want to be set free? I'll set you free. And that's when he grabbed a hatchet from his toolbox. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, He swung at her left arm, and Mary said that despite the fact she'd grabbed onto his arm tightly, she started to fall to the ground. And this is a quote that will forever haunt me from Mary Vincent. I couldn't figure it out. I'm holding him real tight on his arm, but I'm still falling. I looked down at my arm, and there was nothing. Just blood squirting out. He then took my right arm, and I started kicking and screaming, hoping someone would hear me. And I'm just kicking nonstop, and he started to chop my right arm off, but because I'm still kicking and screaming, it took longer. So we had to keep chopping away at my arm. When he was done chopping my arm off, I lay there bleeding, but I could see him at a distance, and he was flicking his arm, and I couldn't figure out why till I looked at the end of his arm. My hand was still clutched onto him real tight, and he was trying to flick it off. Yeah. Both of her arms were severed below or beneath her elbows, and it would be revealed later that he mutilated her this way so that her body couldn't be identified by her fingerprints. And one of her arms was allegedly found near the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's actually true. Um, Mary, weak from blood loss, exhaustion, and shock, goes limp. Singleton drags her to the side of the road and tosses her body over the 30-foot cliff into the Del Puerto Canyon and drives off, leaving her for dead. But guess what? She wasn't. Because she's a fucking badass. Truly. Uh, She said that she got really sleepy and cold, but even though she just wanted to go to sleep, she knew that she couldn't. A voice inside of her said, I can't go to sleep. He's going to do this to somebody else, and I can't let that happen. That's what was going through my heart, my mind, and my soul. I couldn't have him do that to another girl. Yeah, damn. And then Mary put her arms in the dirt in order to create a pseudo mud pack to stop some of the bleeding and hauled herself up the side of the ravine without arms or hands. Uh, Could you imagine how 30 feet. And her arms, they're stumps. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the amount of pain. Oh, yeah. And she said she could feel everything when it happened. Yeah. Like, just hot, searing pain, the blood oozing out of her, in her words. And trying to climb up a ravine. Uh-huh. 30 feet. Yeah. 30 feet. Mm-hmm. And also, she's naked. Mm-hmm. Um, and did I forget to mention that she had broken four ribs on the way down oh, that ravine? Jesus. Because she had four broken ribs. Uh, by the time she made it back to the top of the cliff, it was night. And this is a 15-year-old she's 15. girl. She's 15. Um, real quick though, back to the lack of critical thinking skills that 15 year olds these days seem to have. Um, I'm not sure a modern 15 year old could do this. I don't know. They may I'm surprise sure there, there's you. Some, there's some, don't get me wrong. I'm not there. I'm not trying to speak in absolutes, but no, it's, I feel like it God would be that it. fight or flight yeah. kind of thing where you're like, okay. Cause in the, I survived, she said that. Um, as she was being raped all night long, she was just praying that she would die. Mm-hmm. She's like, please just take me. God, kill me now. But then when she got down to the bottom of that ravine, she's like, well, not today. I'm, I'm not. Uh, yeah. Not today. I'm living, motherfucker. I'll, no, today is not the day, Satan. Yeah. <laughs> Try again. But today is not it. So she said that 
Um, if it hadn't been for the moon and the stars, she wouldn't have been able to see anything at all because she's out in the middle of a fucking canyon mm-hmm. in the night. Mm. Nothing around. No street lights. Nada. So um, she could hear traffic from the nearby freeway in the distance, which happened to be the I-5, and followed that sound for three miles, naked, covered in blood, and holding her stumps up in order to keep them from losing any more blood. Oh, my Lord. Uh, by the time she reached the freeway, it was daylight again. Uh, the first car she saw was a red convertible with two young men inside, but as soon as they saw her, they sped off. Which, guys... I get it. Still an asshole move. Yeah, she Super she says herself, move. she's like, don't be too mad, though, because Mary wasn't. She said, I mean, think about it. I have no hands now. I'm covered from head to toe in blood. I look like something from a Fright Night movie, and they took off. So all I could think of was, I'm going to die out here because everyone's too afraid to even stop. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, it was shitty, but I get it. Yeah. Like I looked like something out of really a really shitty, fucking but if I saw what looks scary like movie, a terrifying road ghost, <laughs> right, covered in blood, like, covered in blood, you're, I'm, it, it's, it, that's, it's, that's a tough sell. It's a weird, random exit off the freeway in the middle of nowhere, yeah. and it's not, it's not super late in the day. It's still pretty early in the morning. So could you imagine, like at this point, when somebody sees her on the road, they're like. What, what the fuck was that? The right. actual fuck, because they did slow down a little bit, but then they were like, oh, hell no, mm-hmm. and just took off, which is garbage. But thankfully, right. the next car she saw, um, they did stop. It was a couple who happened to have gotten lost. They took a wrong exit mm-hmm. while they were on their honeymoon. Oh, yep. Jesus Christ. And they saw her and stopped. Uh, they wrapped her arms in some towels that they happened to have in the back of their truck. And uh, they hauled serious ass back to civilization yeah. to get her help. Uh, they found a phone, called the paramedics, and they ended up sending a rescue helicopter to take Mary to the hospital. Uh, where she would spend the next month recovering. Uh, while she was there, she learned that she had lost over half of the blood in her body. The Jesus rest of her blood Christ. was becoming toxic and could have killed her um she was fitted for prosthetics and also gave statements to the police Uh, her description of larry singleton was so good and so detailed that one of singleton's neighbors immediately identified him from the artist sketch and called police to turn him in uh and so 10 days later law enforcement went to singleton's home and found mary's cigarettes and remnants of her clothing that he'd tried to burn Unfortunately, he had completely cleaned out his van, even going so far as to have a neighbor help him remove and clean the carpet that was inside of it. He was then arrested. What a fucking idiot. Oh, yeah. Uh, So in March of 1979, six months after the attack, Singleton went to trial. That's him. I'm holding up a photo of him right now. Shitty Dick Tracy henchman. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. from the the 90s movie. Yeah. 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 Um, so he initially denied raping and mutilating Mary, stating that he and a couple of male hitchhikers he'd picked up and Mary had stopped at a bar, smoked dope. <laughs> that was a quote. And the three men then each paid Mary to have sex with her. Wow. Um, yeah. Wait, this was his statement. This that was, was his, his statement. His version. Yeah. We smoke dope, she. So 
she deserved to get her arms cut off. Right? He he, well, he claimed that he was drunk and had passed out after he had paid Mary to have sex with her and that one of the other men had driven his van to San Francisco. When, single, uh, when Singleton woke up, Mary was gone and some of her clothes were still in the van, but he claimed he didn't know what had happened to her. Sure. So he's like, I don't know. I was drunk and I passed out. Mm, I didn't rape her. And I certainly didn't chop off her arms and leave her for dead in the fucking middle of nowhere. The fact that she described exactly what I look like with my with her arm attached to me right? is completely coincidental. Exactly. He's like, <laughs> she made that up. Um. So he also called her a $10 a night whore. Oh. And said that Mary had threatened him with a stick and said she would accuse him of rape. Funny how this story is starting to warp. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary, with her new prosthetics, then took the stand to testify and confirmed that Singleton was her attacker. Once she had finished giving her testimony, and once Singleton had finished giving her testimony, everybody's filing out of court. And she had to pass right by him, she said. She said he was like inches away when she was leaving court. And as she passed him, he whispered, if it's the last thing I'll do, I will finish the job. Wow. And she hauled ass out of the courtroom. Um, and that threat would go on to ruin her life. And I will get there. Oh. Yeah. So the jury found Singleton guilty of attempted murder, rape, forced oral copulation, sodomy, kidnapping, and mayhem. Uh, he was sentenced to 14 years at San Quentin. That's it. Which was the California state maximum at the time. Uh, as judges weren't able to impose consecutive sentences for each felony committed. Huh. That was the, yes. And that also comes into play in just a little Wait, bit. And what year was that? Seven, well, when he was sentenced, 79. When it happened, 78. I find it interesting that, and I don't know enough about law and all that shit, but so 14 was the maximum? Yep. I believe he got 14 years and four months. How did Manson get life? Manson, Different. Manson. Uh, people died under the Manson family. She didn't die. Yeah. Attempted yeah. murder. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's no. like, and, it's no, justification, no, yeah. but. And I will come back to it. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was for whatever, for these, this series of felonies, the maximum was only Interesting. 14 years. Um, Rape. Weird. Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) Um, The judge said of the sentence, if I had the power, I would send him to prison for the rest of his natural life. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody was on the same page that this was bullshit. Yeah. But there was nothing else they could do. Got it. At the time. Uh, Now, before I get into Singleton's time in prison, I wanted to point out that Mary Vincent won a civil suit against him to the tune of $2.56 million. Wow. However, he ain't got it. (laughs) Exactly. Due to his poor health, unemployed status, and the fact that he only had $200 to his name, she would never collect that money. Uh, She'd eventually receive around $19,000 from a public fund that was set up in her name and the California Victim of Crimes Act. Also of note uh, is that when Singleton was in prison, he actually had the stones to sue Mary Vincent for forcible kidnapping for the purposes of robbery. Wow. Yeah. in a bold. Uh Uh-huh. In a surprise to no one, that suit went absolutely nowhere. So I think that 19,000? Yeah. I think that would translate to roughly 60,000 today. 
which, you know, cool with the community. Yeah. 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 Well, the the community fund, I want to say the way it was divided up, the community fund was $6,000 that had been oh, raised for her. Okay. Uh, and I'm not quite sure of the timeline of when she received that money. But... So, 18 grand from your community? Yeah. And Solid. also, uh, yeah, 19 grand from various sources, but when you... I, I'm adjusting for inflation. Yeah, yeah. But when you factor in hospital bills. Right, right, right. And... Yeah trying to make a living off of it because after this happened you can't do much with stubs no you can't and not to mention that her family was not helpful really they did not handle what happened to her very well and she as far as i know to this day doesn't really have anything to do with them she said something along the lines of like they acted like i died and they weren't there for me huh so she essentially had to be on her own. That's, you know, that's she six, she ran seventeen after the trial. Yeah, yeah, well, and you know, she ran away at fifteen for a reason. Things mm-hmm. weren't going well. Yeah, at and home, I so. believe she had said that she ran away because her sister said their dad had called. He was coming home early from work with a headache, and he was mad at Mary. And so she's like, "Well, fuck it. I'm just gonna right. Peace. Bye." Uh, but then she got homesick and right. wanted to go home. And this nightmare happened. So one journalist interviewed Singleton uh, said of the attempted murderer, what was most surprising to me, however, was not his sentence. It was that Larry Singleton had worked his crimes around in his mind so completely that they did not warrant punishment at all. Wow. Like he convinced himself he was guilty of nothing. Yeah. Because he was a dick. To put it nicely. Just created his own narrative mm-hmm. and yeah. believed it. That's called being a sociopath. Also, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so while serving his time, Singleton often sent threatening letters to Mary's attorney, threatening Mary, wow. uh, leaving her even more terrified than before of his inevitable release. Because 14 years, there's a clock ticking. Oh, yeah. And you, you know, you know what's coming and that's fucking terrifying uh singleton was considered a model prisoner and even spent time volunteering as a teaching assistant in one of the prison classrooms because of this he was released for good behavior after serving only eight years and four months wow yeah and so this is what's blowing my mind about this and and i get it our system is Beyond flawed. Oh, yeah. So, how is it that even though she didn't die, I get it, attempted murder, sure, that's what that's what they got him with. He left her for dead. Mm-hmm. It's because of her that she didn't die. Mm-hmm. It was his intention for her to die. Oh, yeah. He completely, so why that's the why he cut off her arms. Fuck was he getting out in eight years? That blo- Wow, 14 still isn't enough. Good behavior. But we'll come... Oh, my God. We will come back to it. Um, so, it was recorded in a psychiatric evaluation performed before his release that, and this is a quote, because he is so out of touch with his hostility and anger, he remains an elevated threat to others' safety inside and outside prison. Yeah. So, the psychiatrists were like, No. This is ter- we do not recommend that he be let go. I don't care if he's, 
leading church services or helping children somehow from prison. He is a terrible man and he will do this he again. He is a monster of a ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, he was originally paroled to Contra Costa County. Hey, Paul Holes. Uh, <laughs> but people were pissed and said, absolutely fucking not. Um, they tried to send him to Tampa to live with family and were again met with hard protests. Like, he was sent to multiple different places in Contra Costa County, and every single time, people were like, fucking no, get him out of here. Because the everybody, of course, it was on the news yeah. all the time, and the media were like, hey, this fucking guy tried to kill this poor girl, and... He lives here now. He's going to be your neighbor, probably. And people were not having it. Yeah. Uh, and according to an article in the New York Times, as authorities attempted to settle him in one Bay Area town after another, angry crowds and Tampa's chapter of the Guardian Angels led protests, screamed, picketed, and eventually prevailed. Huh. So Guardian Angels were a group of like vigilante, I remember justice, them. awesome, awesome people. And they wore their, their, their shiny jackets and their berets. berets. Yeah. I remember them. Um. At one point, officers had to transport Singleton under armed guard from a hotel room. And on another occasion, he was removed from a Contra Costa County apartment in a bulletproof vest. We need them back. Where'd they go? I don't know. Come back. Look into it. Um, Eventually, due to the public outcry, the governor stepped in and ordered Singleton to live in a trailer on the San Quentin grounds for the next year, which was when his parole would be up. Uh, During this time, he allegedly got sober through AA, was under a strict curfew, and the watchful eye of the guards. Yeah. Which, okay, that's... Sure. Okay, sir, you're still a violent criminal. I don't trust you. You're just not fueled by booze anymore. Who gives a fuck? mm -hmm. You're still the same on the inside. Exactly. His parole in 1987 led to the passage of the Singleton Bill, which prevents the early release of any offender that used torture in a crime they'd committed. And also carries a sentence, a potential sentence of 25 years to life. So at least there was that. Yeah. And they're like, okay, so anyone that's like this, they can't. No matter what behavior, how good it is, they get to stay in fucking prison. They don't get to leave for being a teacher's aide. Right? Sorry about it. That's garbage. Um, shortly before Singleton's parole was up, Donald Stahl, the prosecutor from his trial, said, I think, if anything, he's worse now. He has not taken responsibility. He lives in a bizarre fantasy land and acquits himself each day. He doesn't accept his guilt and won't, and won't resolve never to do it again. And they let him out. Yep. Cool. Following his release at the end of his parole... I'm not seeing the problem here, you guys. <laughs> right? I mean, jeez. Uh, Singleton returned to his hometown of Tampa. He did register as a felon, which was required by law, but it was not required for him to tell other people what he'd been convicted of. I'm surprised he didn't have to register as a sex offender. I am as well. Um, But yeah, he was just living his life, surrounded by people that had no idea there was a monster in their midst. Ugh, gross. Um, He would be arrested twice for petty theft in 1990, once for stealing a $10 disposable camera and the other time for stealing a $3 hat for which he was sentenced to two years in prison. Uh, During sentencing, he told the judge that he was just a confused, muddle-headed old man. No. Fuck you. Yeah. 
Uh, Singleton would only serve a small fraction of his sentence, about 48 days, I believe, uh, before being unleashed onto the public yet again. This time, however, would end horrifically. So on February 19th, 1997, a house painter just happened to glance into Singleton's home as he was working and witnessed the 69-year-old man, covered in blood, repeatedly stabbing a naked woman on the couch. Oh, you don't say? Yeah. Wow. Weird. The the crazy sociopathic uh, killer man killed again. Yeah. Um, While someone was painting his house. (laughs) Not his house, but near enough that the guy could look into this house and see it. Wow. Um, So, Could you imagine being that guy? You just like... Oh, there's a naked old man. Oh, he's covered in blood. Oh, no. (laughs) Am I seeing what I'm seeing? Yeah. And apparently it was so brutal that the man claimed he could hear, and this is his quote, bones crushing like chicken bones breaking after every stab. Like that, so that's in a shiver down my spine. Wow. Yeah, that made me uncomfortable. Gross. Yeah. That messed me up. I believe it was a paring knife. <laughs> Jesus that's, Christ. Yeah. That's, that's a like, small knife. That's yeah. a real little one. Uh huh. I believe it was a paring knife. It was either a paring knife or a boning knife, but either way, a boning huh. knife is very thin. But I don't think I've ever seen a boning knife. Yeah, it's longer than a paring knife, but a boning knife. Yeah, yeah they're, they're longer. Long, and they're, 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 it's a real narrow blade. Yeah. Either way. Oh, uh, one of those. Yeah, I have yeah. One of those downstairs. Yeah, yeah. So the police were called, and when they arrived on the scene, they were greeted by the bloody Singleton, who was promptly arrested. Uh, the woman he had. Oh, why? Weird, right? Like he opened. Like, he opened the door covered in blood. And the woman was behind him on the couch. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Like, weird. Officer, she paid to rape me. But what? And I woke up and she wasn't here. And I came downstairs and she was like this. Oh, but right? Oh, but wait. That's she actually, stabbed herself. That's actually not that far off. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> so uh, the woman that he had just killed was 31-year-old mother of three and sex worker Roxanne Hayes. Uh, Singleton claimed that Roxanne had attempted to take more money than they had agreed upon and he just kind of lost it. That's not how you handle that situation. It's That's really not, not how, how you, you handle it. It's really not. Um, he stabbed her 12 times in the face and upper body. Uh, but according to him, he didn't mean to kill her. Oh no, that's the theme of the day. Right? Like, okay. I stabbed her, but I didn't mean to kill her. I didn't mean it. Um, Who are these men? Awful. Doing this. Terrible. And saying that shit. Monsters. Good God. Um, so when Mary Vincent heard what had happened, she packed a bag and flew to Florida to provide testimony against Singleton at his sentencing. Yes, She girl. was like, I don't fucking think so. Also, always have a reason to go to Florida. <laughs> um... So when she took the stand this time, she told the jury, I was attacked, I was raped, and my hands were cut off. He left me to die. Then, like the absolute badass that she is, she raised her prosthetic, pointed it at Singleton, and identified him again as the man that attacked her nearly 20 years earlier. Wow. And in April of 1988, after four hours of deliberation, Singleton is sentenced to death for the first-degree murder of Roxanne Hayes. Woo! Finally. Yeah. 
Uh, Four hours, though? Yeah. That seems too long. That seems short. I feel five seconds. That seems, it's short for like normal deliberation time. Yeah. Four hours is not a lot of time. Yeah. I feel like it was one, they're like, we're just going to use this time to decompress because we all fucking know. Yeah. They probably all just got in there like, we're all good, right? Yep. Uh-huh. Let's order a pizza. We're going to chill yeah, out. Like, we're going to like, yeah, gonna... take advantage of the free food. Yeah. Right, they're like, gonna, let's all gonna... relax. Yeah, go smoke a bowl. You've had it rough, buddy. Right. Yeah, let's, like, let's give the courtroom a little bit of a break. I need to, but we're all good. Yeah. Yeah. I need dope. to fucking chill. Um, in 2001, 74 year old Singleton died of cancer in a prison hospital. So good. he never made it to whatever they were using in Florida at the time. Electric chair. I don't know. I wish made it to the electric chair. Lethal Honestly, injection. I don't, I'm trying to think which bitch. Right. I'm trying to think which kind sucks. it is. Though. Which no, one was sucks. was cheaper on the the people, the taxpayers. Cancer. Cancer. 100% There you go. So there you go. Yeah. Save the state some money. Save the state some money and died a really painful death. Yeah. A long, painful death. Um, As for Mary Vincent, her life following the attack was anything but easy. Uh, She spent decades in hiding, fearing for her life every time she left the house. Um, PTSD much? mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Yep. In 1987, she moved to Washington State and got married, but the couple divorced a few years later. Uh, She wasn't able to afford to have her hooks fixed at one point and had to file bankruptcy and ended up living in an abandoned gas station near Tacoma for a while. Like her, there was someone, she couldn't afford to have her hooks fixed and one of the people in her neighborhood would help her fix them and they rusted at one point. And so her whole life, like she couldn't, cope she was constantly terrified of the day that she knew this man was going to get out of prison he had threatened that he would come and kill her said he'd finish the job and and why wouldn't she believe him right Right. and that this this time is between when he got sentenced to death and when he actually died is her freaking out well this period this time period is when he was in prison for her attack oh Um, okay because the eight years yeah the eight years that should have been 14 According to law at the time, but ended up being a little less than half of that. So, and and I'm sorry, what was the time span between when he got released and when he killed? Uh, seven seven years. Okay, because yeah. he got out. So, she, so it was almost that amount of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then that's when she flew to Florida to yeah, testify. In, yeah, against him again. Yeah, um, yeah, because it was just under seventy-eight. Yeah, it was just under 20 years okay. when he killed this other woman. So homegirl is homeless. Yep, she's um, she fought anorexia. She was under 100 pounds. Um, she obviously battled depression and suffered from severe nightmares oh, yeah. um, for a long, probably for the rest of her life. But at one point it was really bad. She said um, in one article I read that uh, some t- she had, like dislocated shoulders in her sleep from trying to like in having a nightmare, trying to run away from whatever's oh, happening. Geez. She broke her nose, dislocated her shoulder in her sleep. Yeah. Oh God. Because her nightmares were that violent, violent and that vivid. Oh, I can't even imagine. Um, when asked about Singleton, she refuses to give power to his name and only refers to him as my attacker. If she refers to him at all, he who shall not be named. I get that. Uh huh. Uh, in the late 90s, she moved to Orange County and got remarried, which I believe also ended in divorce later. Um, Did it say where in Orange County? Uh, no, it just said Orange County. Oh. Um, she did have two sons, 
mm-hmm. throughout this, Luke and Alan. Uh, growing up, Mary loved to dance and said, I'd have been lead dancer at the Lido de Paris in Las Vegas, then Hawaii and Australia. I'm serious. I was really good on my feet and my dance instructor had it all worked out. But when this happened, they had to take some parts of my leg just to save my right arm. After that, I wasn't able to dance anymore. Mm. But she channeled her artistry in another way and took up drawing and painting. Uh, She began speaking out as a victim's advocate and founded the Mary Vincent Foundation, which helps victims of traumatic crimes. Uh, When she learned that Singleton had died, she said that she didn't feel the closure that she'd expected. And she said, I needed to know what was in that dark soul of his. I felt I was robbed of that opportunity. But because of my sons, I saw the relief on their faces. That made me realize, okay, that's good enough closure for me. I don't have to worry about my son's lives anymore. Um, I never knew that there could be people like that in the world, and I pray to God I never know another. And she does speak on um, like victims, impact panels, and survivor uh-huh. situations, and she tells the victims to not give up hope, and that you'll never get over it, but you can get past it, and I want them to know I'm here for them now. I'm finally strong enough. And that is the story of Mary motherfucking Vincent. Wow. Y'all. Wow. That. Wow. I think I went that. down the street from her. At one oh. Point. Huh. She in Anaheim Hills. Interesting. Yeah. Small world. Yeah, she keeps, I believe the last article I read was um, from 2013, I believe, and she was living in Gig Harbor. Mm, so okay. I don't know if she's still there. She still keeps a very, very low profile. Oh, I, yeah, don't yeah. blame her. Um. But yeah, that's wow. fucking Mary Vincent, y'all. Like she uh, threw out the first pitch at a Giants game. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. She. Um, I just pulled up an article from the SF Gate, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, she after like now is doing okay. Yeah. It took a while. It took a while, but it looks like she's she's doing pretty well. Yeah. Um. So my sources were Ranker, Laura Allen. Uh, SF Gate, Michael Taylor, and Carol Ness, two different articles. Um, FilmDaily.co, Bianca Myrtil, LA Times, Paul Dean, Wikipedia, I Survived, Season 4, Episode 1, Morbidology.com, Emily Thompson, ChillingCrimes.com, MamaMia.com.au, Belinda Jepson, and Episode 18 of My Favorite Murder. Wow. Yeah. Like... Jesus. Yeah. Badass. Jesus. Badass woman. So. That's. Right? Yeah. I, exactly. Unreal to me. Yeah. That he, eight years. Yeah. Eight. Eight. That is not nearly enough years. No. No, it's not. Not no. even close. No. But at least. A bill was able to be passed to stop that from happening again. Yeah. Be like, yeah, um, state of California, let's fucking not let that happen. Right. Huh. huh? Mayhem is intentional mutilation of another person. Oh, okay. Okay. Why don't you just call it intentional mutilation? Right. I feel like I it would be. I feel like that. mayhem, mayhem is sounds a silly. Real broad term. 
Like or, I cause mayhem on the regular, but I don't mutilate anybody. Right. right. When people like whenever I've heard I didn't know that, but whenever I hear the word mayhem in relation to crime, I just think of someone being an asshole and being like, Yeah probably well, like th- the sex pistols. I think of people like describing what's happening in downtown is mayhem, you know? Yeah. Or uh, or like the, the, the charge of criminal mischief. Is that yeah. mischief is sick. right? And yes. It's still going on downtown? Huh? Yeah. Still? Yeah, it got bad the other night. Really? Really? On New Year's Eve, yeah. Why? Uh, got New real Eve. heavy. Why? What? Because people are still protesting. Oh. Huh. Nothing's been fixed. Racial inequality still exists and is real bad, so they're still out there saying, hey, it's not, not dope. I mean, I wish they wouldn't throw firebombs at, at cops. Not because I care that much about the cops, but because it's just does not a good look. Yeah. Uh, and then they throw firebombs back. No, they don't. Not actual firebombs. They throw they throw tear gas, which yeah. obviously is not good. It it's fucking just, you sucks know, from yeah. first-hand account. Yeah. Shit sucks. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, and just, I mean, everybody that's been saying like, oh, well, it's not like 2021's going to be any better. Number one. Like I told you, not with that attitude. <laughs> Number two, maybe not immediately. There's still a lot of work to be done, but we can fucking do it. We can start. Exactly. So we got to, and and just, it's, we all survived a fucking traumatic hellscape of a year. So we can do and be better mm-hmm. now that at least that's out of the way. Yes. And it's going to be rough, but we got this. Yeah. Hence my choice for today's story. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. You like a good theme. I do. And it was initially unintentional, but then I was like, no, that does make sense. That is a good point. Good job, brain. Good job, you. Thank you. Yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you that one. Yeah. Because other times I'm just like, no, 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 gonna call her a Sasquatch. <laughs> hey, and that's ninety nine percent of my life. But then sometimes I have good ideas that make sense. And I tried to look up the Mary Vincent Foundation, but it looks like the website has lapsed. Oh, so because I wanted to make a donation, right? But I could not. So if that's a thing. That anyone knows about, let us know. About, let us know. Are you Mary Vincent? I want to talk to you, girl. Hey, are you in Washington? Gig Harbor is a weird choice, but I'm glad you <laughs> like it if you're still there. I've been there. Gig Harbor is a weird choice. I mean, it's, it's so far out there, but that's probably why. That's the probably the point. Um, yeah, because my parents used to live in Whidbey Island, mm-hmm. which is another choice. It is. Well, not really a choice if you're in the military. They're like, right. here you go. That's where you live now. And you go there and you're like, okay. I think they have a Walmart out there now. I don't know. I don't remember. I haven't been there in 20 years at least. But, yeah, it's, it's she out there. So I guess that would make sense. I think it makes all the sense. But, yeah, just. That bad. Wow. Shit, girl. Right? Damn. Yeah. That's a will to fucking live right there. Mm-hmm. And the best part was that she knew she couldn't go to sleep because obviously she would die. And she's like, I can't let him do this to anybody else. 
Pretty impressive. Real fucking impressive. At 15 years old. 15. She's like, uh-uh. I don't think so. Mm. I don't think so. Damn. Yeah. That's just super fucking inspiring and rad lady. Right? Well, shit, guys, we done done it. We done done we it. We done done it. We done done it again. Also, I just realized in your story there was someone that got their hand chopped off. She chopped off her own fucking hand. True, Nadia. Nadia in a very overdramatic move. <sighs> Real. I mean, if you're gonna jump out the window, why chop off your hand? It was just very dramatic. But it's the Chelsea Hotel. It makes so much sense. Yeah. Everything at the Chelsea is dramatic. It's a fucking beautiful building. Huge. Yeah. It had 400 rooms. Yeah, I was sitting here looking at pictures of it. And, it's gorgeous. Uh, Sid and Nancy while I was sitting here, like, because I like to have pictures while yeah. I'm yeah. listening to stories. Um, And, so. you know, it never, ever stopped being that, really. <laughs> I mean, artists would pay their rent with paintings. The walls of the Chelsea are just lined with, with tenants' artwork. Fashion designers lived there. I mean, it was just, it's its an incredible place. I think it's one of those really special places. And nothing in there really has changed. I was reading, like, all these articles and mm-hmm. going through magazines and seeing photographs of people's suites and their rooms and just fucking cool. I want to go to there. Just fucking cool. Doors are padlocked. Unless you live there, you can't get in. Okay, but so my plan is okay. to make friends. With someone that lives there? lives there. Fair. Um, and as far as room 100, where Sid killed Nancy. Maybe. It's not room 100 anymore. Mm. It, they they tell ch- you that all the yep. time. Yeah, well, it's like going from floor 12 to floor 14. Right. Yeah, they changed it. <laughs> but I don't know why they'd bother. Right. I feel like that's also a dumb thing to do. Just pointless. Yeah. Because... If you're going to change one room number, it's going to be just just the one. It's going to be kind of obvious when you go around the hotel looking. Yeah. You're like, 98, 99, 99 and a half? That's not a thing. Yeah, Ethan Hawke did a documentary about the Chelsea because he actually lived there for a while. Oh. Uma Thurman lived there. I mean, that I, would make they, sense. Like I said, I, I could have kept going, but it, you know, I would be here the whole time just doing that. <laughs> just a list. You're like, here's a list you know of Let's people that live at the Chelsea Hotel. Who lives at the Chelsea Hotel? It's more game. about who really didn't. Ah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but, and the manager Stanley, you know, when Arthur Miller and Marilyn Monroe broke up. You know, that's where Arthur Miller moved to, and Marilyn went storming in there and looking for Arthur. Oh, shit. And Arthur had told Stanley, under no circumstances am I to be bothered by anyone. And uh, he called up to the room and said, you know, hey, Arthur, Marilyn's here. I thought you said it's, but it's Marilyn. <laughs> and she got to see Arthur. And I'll bet she gave did. And an earful of something. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind about that one. Right. So it just, it, but it never stopped. Really, It still isn't. I mean, the tenants there, a lot of the tenants that are left are there because they can't be removed. Rent control, they, the state housing, like they you can't make them leave. You cannot. So, oh um, man, could you imagine being like one of those tenants' grandchildren? Like I said, and they leave that apartment to you. There's people that have oh. lived there, adults that grew up there that have just taken over 
yeah their parents or their grandparents like people have lived their entire fucking lives living at the Chelsea entire lives I wonder if there's anybody there that would want to adopt an adult woman you, so I it's can, the Chelsea so probably can, that's fucking true you know and and that's the thing <laughs> too he it. he would so many people would move into the Chelsea with no job no credit no money perfect but he Stanley had a knack for knowing mm-hmm. that yeah you're gonna make something or you're gonna make it mm-hmm. or whether they're a down on their luck you know filmmaker yeah you're gonna make another movie it's gonna be fine and they all would end up the ones that would actually started to make money they did eventually pay him but the ones that there were some that never could but they would pay in other ways yeah but not everyone could do that he kind of had to like read you mm-hmm. first mm. and see if you were like chelsea material you know yeah but, i like it but yeah yeah if any residents of the chelsea are listening and would like to adopt a 35 year old lady hit me up yep i would gladly accept you as my new you know, and, and they are they're the last stand right now. They're the last of the Mohicans living Russell up there Brand in the Chelsea. That makes sense. And oh, okay. The what? Sense. Russell Brand lived there. That makes sense. Yeah. And they are fighting to preserve their way of life. They don't want this boutique hotel. They I don't, don't want blame them. Right. There are enough boutique hotels. They want the, in the Chelsea world. to remain what it is, what it was what it was always meant to be and it always was that even when it was purchased at, to be a hotel you know originally it never really was it was but it was a hotel for mm-hmm. the artists and the bohemians yeah. and so yeah yeah no there are enough boutique hotels we don't need more of those no. But you know that's let it be what it is. Right. Like, you know, that that excerpt, that last one, mm-hmm. even in the thirties, he it's like he had the vision. He knew what yeah. was going to happen. This is on twenty third street in Manhattan. This is prime real estate. Uh-huh. And you've got this artist commune essentially right there in the middle of it all. <laughs> and but they're fighting for it and Good. I'm here for him. Fight. Fight, fight, fight. Yes. Fight. Yes. So. And write me into your will. (laughs) I mean, that's. (laughs) Write your apartment into my will. Yeah. Uh, That that is like the one place I could definitely see living in New York. Oh, the Chelsea? Chelsea. Oh, Otherwise. No. I don't think I'd like it very much. But if I could live in the Chelsea, I think I'd be okay with it. Yeah. Be like, run control, motherfuckers. Well, and you just, you see, I mean, Arthur Miller said about the Chelsea, God, what did he say? It was a quote. He said, there's no vacuum cleaners, no rules, and no shame. Yes. I think that was pretty much it's my it. kind of It's my kind of place. Yeah. So. I like it. Anyway. All right. Well, we done done it. We so. done done it. Done done it. Y'all know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe. If yes. you'd like to be a patron, go to our Patreon and yeah. you can do that. And we send you fun things in the mail. And there's pictures of Z's boobs on there. And you give us money. Yeah. What? Yeah. There's not. There's not. She says it every time. It's never true. It's never true. But someday, hey, though. you know what? It could pique someone's interest enough to like, I'm going to go do it because someday they might actually be there. You never know. I, I want I want. I want to say that you're going to. 
put up a picture of, of Z's boobies and then you do and it's just you holding a bird. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. A bird has the most wonderful name <laughs> in the world. Fair. So little booby. Well till next time, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Bye. Bye. Fuck you, Bob. Fuck you, Gwyneth. Kim, you can't read. Kim can't read. Kimberly can't read. Or play poker. Oh my god, that was hilarious. Mirrored glasses, Kimberly. Do a poker tournament. Mirrored glasses, Kimberly. <laughs> yes, please. I want you to be my lawyer, Kim. Good God. Oh, no, shit. <laughs> my lawyer that wears mirrored glasses to a poker tournament. Yep, hire her. Clearly. Hire her. I anyway. Can't. I shan't. She's studying law? Yes. Oh, yeah. We're done. <laughs> Kimberly can read. Yes. Goodbye.